Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast and got a tremendous podcast for you. It's in the second segment, we're going to be joined by Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game host Curtis Rogers. Does a great job over there in the great state of Washington and does a great job being able to follow the game of baseballs. We're going to be chatting with him about what we're all seeing in the American League West in general, talking about some of the pitching issues that we've seen with the Seattle Mariners and just some of the marquee series that we're going to be taking a look at for this week. So, going to have a great chat with Curtis in the second segment and then in the final segment. Going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore one Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please send these in the timeline and the other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. We did get in one Twitter question today, so let's dive in. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. Got this one in from a gentleman that goes by the name Giggle Snorter. He asks, at unit on Squirty one I've been in a major slump the last few days. I can't hit anything, it seems. Do you have any tips or advice for me? And... Absolutely, because with Major League Baseball, it is just one of the most volatile sports out there. Every single team plays at least 162 games, which with off days, what have you, that means that out of the year, if you're handicapping this day in a day out, you're going to be handicapping for a little bit over 200 days. 
It is just unavoidable. You are going to have some highs. You are going to have some lows. The best thing you can do is just not get too high on the highs and not get too low on the lows. You probably don't want to be getting the other form of high. That's a discussion for another podcast on another day, but hopefully you enjoyed that little bit of a joke. But with that said, when it comes to just taking a look at Major League Baseball, try to review sort of the loss bets that you've had and take a look at why. There's just some bets that if you wind up placing it 10 times, you would be profitable and you just wind up getting unlucky. Case in point, on Sunday, we wind up seeing that Chicago Cubs against the Chicago White Sox game. Game is 1-0 to going into the ninth inning, 1-1 to going into extra innings, and the game goes over because you've got the stupid ghost runner and everything like that. If you wind up taking the under, you can't really blame yourself. That's just bad luck right there. You had a good handicap. Don't do anything else. If you keep on playing that over and over, you are going to be profitable. Sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles, and that's absolutely terrible. And, I mean, if you wind up having the over in that game, you probably want to be making adjustments, even though you did wind up hitting the bet, because that was really stinking lucky right there. Meanwhile, if... You wound up betting on, say, Patrick Corbin, who's going to be pitching on Tuesday for the Washington Nationals and every one of his starts on the money line. He's 1-9 right now. You probably want to adjust your power rating on Patrick Corbin a little bit because it's clear that you've been trusting him a little bit too much because fielding independent numbers aren't necessarily too good. The numbers themselves, they've been bad. So there are some instances in which you're just getting unlucky. There are other times where you might be a little bit too high, a little bit too low on a team. And then there's just variance in general. There are just going to be weeks in which you just can't pick your nose to save your life. And then there are other weeks where you could wind up just blindly picking names out of a hat for the team that you're going to bet on and you wind up being profitable. It's just the way that it works. Baseball is a very, very strange sport in that regard. So just continue to fight the good fight. If you've got a track record of success, do not wind up worrying too much and just stay true to what you've been doing and make sure that you're reviewing your results to see if it's just bad luck or if it's maybe a little bit of a troublesome area. So hopefully I answered that for you. I do appreciate the question. Now let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting from Memorial Day Monday and hopefully you guys want to take it a few minutes on Memorial Day to honor all those that gave these sacrifice for you guys. I never take for granted the fact that I'm able to do what I love because there are so many people that have made such a noble sacrifice for myself. So I do give a thank you to all those and all the families of those that have served this country. It really does mean a lot to me. So just want to take this second for that. But let's take a look back at everything that we wound up getting from Memorial Day. On a day that wound up seeing 13 games in Major League Baseball, just four wound up going under some. Try to find some trends and try to get to know that he seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Probably the most stunning thing in my opinion was the Baltimore Orioles absolutely laying it on. The Boston Red Sox 10-0 the final. They get a push on the total because the Orioles get all 10 runs by themselves. Says, got to give the pitching a little bit of credit here. How about Tyler Wells? Six scoreless settings from there. Dylan Tate, Joy Crebo, Logan Gillespie. I'll give you a scoreless setting. So nothing doing for a Red Sox team that they entered into the double dip that we wound up seeing on Saturday. White odd and a bunch at in general. I believe that they had played at five plus runs in six out of their last eight games, but nothing doing here as Rich Hill. He wound up getting shelled in this one, giving up six runs in four innings, including a pair of bombs. Going deep off of him, Ryan Mountcastle. He got his sixth of the season 
Jackson and Ramon Urias was able to get his fourth Anthony Santander. He would go deep off of Matt Barnes for his ninth home run season for Barnes. He gives up three runs in an inning. Ryan Brazier, he gives up one run in two innings. And Eric Azusarmora, the lone highlight for the Red Sox, two scoreless innings out of him. Another team wound up being able to go into double figures, and that would be the New York Mets. 13-5, they lay it on the Washington Nationals as Nationals offense actually hasn't been half bad recently. They have been able to play now at least six runs in four out of their last five games, so they're starting to turn things over a little bit with regards to this lineup, but for the pitching, not great. Eric Fetty Wap got whopped. He got four outs, and he gave up six runs, all of which were earned, including a bomb. That was off the bat of Sterling Marte's fifth home run season. From there, you'd have Pete Alonso go deep off of Josh Rogers, his 13th of the campaign, and his second home run in two days. Mr. Nick Plummer, a former first-round pick, has retreaded with the Mets' second home run season. He winds up being able to go deep off of Austin Voth. Voth and Andres Machado both give four outs, both give up three runs in the process. Paulo Espino, three scoreless hangs out of the bullpen before Josh Rogers gives up a run and an inning for the Mets. David Peterson didn't necessarily live up to that Peterson last game. Gave up four runs in four and two-thirds innings, but was enough to hold down the fort for the Mets. From there, you do wind up having one run given up by Colin Holderman in one and a third innings. Steven Nagosic was able to give you two scoreless innings, and then Jason Shreve was able to polish things off with a scoreless inning of his own. The Texas Rangers, they wind up getting the job done against the Tampa Bay Rays 9-5. The tone was set in this game very early as Eli White wound up robbing a three-run homer that put the Rays up very early in this one, and that was in support of Mr. Glenn Otto, who gave up just two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings. Would have been five runs had that home run not been robbed. From there, Matt Moore, well, I've been talking about I think that he's going to regress a little bit on this podcast, and he did. He gave up three runs, didn't give it a single out, but from there, Matt Bush, Joe Barlow, Dennis Santana. I'll give you a scroll of setting it for the Texas Rangers. Pair of bombs in this one. Eli White wound up taking away a home run, and he got one of his own off of Drew Rasmussen, second home run season. Then Rasmussen winds up giving one up to Jonah Heim, his sixth of the campaign for Rasmussen. Worst start of the year. Five runs given up over the course of three innings, including those two jacks. Ryan Thompson, he's had a tough time out there in the bullpen. Four runs, give it up on just one out. Matt Weisler was able to give you two scoreless innings, and Ralph Garza Jr., two two-thirds inning scoreless, but a little bit of a tough one for the Rays, who probably should have had more runs than they did wind up having in this one. A team that did not wind up generating a lot of runs. Izzy Miami Marlins, 7-1 the finalist. One Pablo Lopez, a tremendous start. Six scoreless things. Did wind up walking forward. A little bit of a concern there, but he did his part. And then the bullpen came in, and he lit this game on fire. Tanner Scott gives up three runs in an inning. Steven Oker was able to give you a scoreless inning, but that's only after Cole Solzer wound up giving up four runs in the seventh inning without getting out. For the Miami Marlins, their one run came off of Asu Sanchez's bat, and this one probably should have counted for more than just one, as he hit the ball 496 feet. I mean, it was just absolutely insane. His fifth home run of the season for the Colorado Rockies. Ryan Feltner gave up that home run, but that's all he would give up over the course of seven innings. Tyler Kinley along Lucas Gilbreth from there. They both give you a scroll of saying. So the Rockies able to get a nice home win, and the Cleveland Guardians they get a nice home win against the Kansas City Royals. 7-3 the final as the Royals. They continue to have the worst bullpen area out there in the American League. 
John Easley, not a great start, not a terrible start. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings, including home run to Mr. Jose Ramirez. 13th home run season, Ramirez now leads the league with 51 RBI, and then Andres Jimenez was able to get a home run from there. His fifth of the campaign, that comes off of Colin Sider, is not having a good year. Gives up three runs and get, got just that one out, giving up that home run. You did wind up having Adroiz Vizcaino give you a scoreless inning, and you got a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Foster Griffin, but not a great effort here from the Royals, who did wind up getting a home run in this one, fourth of the campaign off the bat of Emmanuel Riva, as he winds up being able to do that off of Zach Polisak, who actually had a solid start, giving up just that home run over the course of six innings. Eli Morgan was able to give you a scoreless inning. Trevor Steven. Rough go of it. He wound up giving up two runs without getting a single out, but Nick Sandlin, Emmanuel Classe. They come in, hold down the fort, and give the Guardians the W. The Houston Astros continue to have the best underrate at both home and on the road, and they played another under. They take down the Oakland A's by a count of 5-1. to one. From Valdez, a complete game, giving up one run on 114 pitches for the Astros. They were able to play a little bit of home run derby in this one. Paul Blackburn gives up home run to Jose Aldube, his 10th of the season. A.J. Puck and Blackburn wanted to fall victim to Mr. Jordan Alvarez as he got a pair in this one, 13th and 14th home runs of the campaign. For Blackburn, this was his worst start of the year. He gave up four runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings. As I don't think that he had given up more than three runs in a single start prior to that all season long. From there, A.J. Puck raises the ERA to a buck 37, giving up the other home run to Mr. Jordan Alvarez in two-thirds of an inning, but Domingo Tapia was able to give you a scoreless inning and then got a pair of outs from Parker Markle out of the bullpen as well for Oakland, and A's just continue to not be able to hit. They generate just one run in this one, so a little bit of a sad state of affairs there after they had actually played it four-plus runs in, I believe, five out of their last six games. So we are seeing the Astros really being able to pitch well, and for the St. Louis Cardinals, they got what they needed out of the duo of Packy Naughton along with Andre Pellanti, 6-3. They wind up getting it done. The Cardinals do as Naughton gives up one run in two and a third innings. Pellante, who has been used out of the bullpen exclusively, was pretty much a bulk guy in this one. Three and a third innings gave up just one run from there. Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, both give you a scoreless inning before Ryan Helsley allows his first earned run of the season while getting four outs was enough for the Cardinals to be able to get it done in for the Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt looking like an MVP candidate along with Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, who we'll get to in a few minutes. 11th home run season for Goldschmidt, and then Nolan Gorman, a very good prospect for the Cardinals that recently got the call. He got a home run as well. His second of the campaign is Zink Martinez gives up one of those. He gives up three runs over the course of six innings, and then the other one, give it up by Steven Wilson. Gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning before Tim Hill gets the final four outs of this game before the Padres. They've been averaging far more runs per game on the road than they have been at home. Three of six with men in scoring position, but the Cardinals able to get this one in. DK Nation pick up the under in the Diamondbacks and the Atlanta Braves gets there thanks to no run scored. The final three and a half innings of this game, 6-2. The Arizona Diamondbacks are able to get it done as Spencer Strider wound up getting his first career start and well, he was spent after this one, giving up five runs in four and a third innings, including a home run to Paven Smith. Seventh home run season for Zach Allen. Out of his nine starts this year, in eight of them, he has given up two runs or fewer, gave up two in this one, including a solo shot to Austin Riley, 12th home run season, but then the bullpen was able to do their part as you had Noe Ramirez give you one in third inning, scoreless Ian Kennedy, Mark Melanson. They come in and shut the door in the eighth and ninth innings. And then for the Atlanta Braves, you did wind up having Dylan Lee give up one run while getting two outs out of the bullpen, Jesse Chavez, 
Will Smith along with Asus Cruz. I will give you a scroll ascending him for the Atlanta Braves. 0 of 10 with men in scoring position. And it's a team that on the road right now, hitting right around a 214 to a 215 as a collective. So not necessarily going great for them. Not going great for the Phillies bullpen either as they wind up losing to the San Francisco Giants by a count of 5 to 4 as Logan Webb. He wound up going 8 innings in this one. He gave up 4 hits, 3 runs, and all 3 came on solo home runs. Going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies at Cassiano, 7th home run season. Kyle Schwarber is 11th. That came in the ninth inning. They really left Logan Webb out there. And then you had Reese Hoskins a little bit earlier in the game get his 8th home run season. But the San Francisco Giants, they would have a response of their own as they wound up getting home runs in the ninth and 10th innings. And Ghost Runner winds up causing this one to wind up going over the total as in the 10th inning, Kirk Casale was able to go deep off of Andrew Balotti, his fourth home run season, but that was set up by Corey Canable giving up home run to Evan Longoria. Fifth home run season and like his fourth in the last seven days in Wilmer Flores. We'll go deep off of Kyle Gibson, his fifth of the season for Gibson. Relatively solid start. Two runs given up over the course of six innings. Jurisic Familia, Brad Hand, they both give you a scoreless setting, but Balotti gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th, and then in the 9th, Corey Knable gives up that home run, so not too terrific there for the Phillies. They wound up scoring four runs while going 0 of 1 with men in scoring position with one man left on base. So a very haywire game there as Camilo Duval, Dominique Leon, both are able to pitch a scoreless inning. Minnesota Twins hit the road. They wind up losing to the Detroit Tigers by a count of 7 to 5 as you did wind up having the Twins be able to get a trail of home runs in this one as Gary Sanchez gets his fifth home run season, Gio Urshela his fifth, and Jose Miranda his second. Those all come off of Bo Brisky, who winds up going five and two thirds innings. Gives up four runs, including those three home runs. But Tigers, you currently have a top three bullpen in terms of ERAs. You have Joey Menace give you one and third inning scoreless. Andrew Lang does wind up giving up a run in an inning, but Gregory Soto able to close the door. He winds up getting another save with his scoreless inning. And for the Detroit Tigers, the offense actually ignited in this one. Derek Hill gets his first home run season off of Dylan. Don't call me Al Bundy and. Pitch a little bit more like Alvin Dillon in this one, giving up four runs over the course of six innings, including home run, and then from there, Joe Smith, who has really seen some regression recently, gives up two runs, one of which was earned while getting just two outs, and then Trevor McGill from there. Lions putting out the fire, gets one and a third inning scoreless, but Tigers able to get that one to the window, and then for the Brewers and the Cubs in their double dip, both went to the Milwaukee Brewers as Milwaukee wins game number one by kind of seven to six. It was the first ever start for Ethan Small, and did not wind up coming up big in this one. Gives up two runs in two and two-thirds innings. From there, you do wind up having Trevor Kelly come in. One and a third innings. He winds up giving up two runs, both of which were solo shots. The wind was really blowing out in regularly in this one as you have Rafael Ortega be able to get a second home run season. Then the first home run of the season for P.J. Higgins, a catcher that many people have been talking about. Miguel de Sanchez comes in for two scoreless innings. And then you have Trevor Gott. He got got giving up two runs over the course of an inning, but... Devin Williams, Josh Hader, doesn't matter the conditions. They wound up being lights out with Hader striking out the side in the ninth. Neither gives up a run in their inning of work. And for the Brewers, had a trio of home runs for this team as he did wind up having Matthew Schwarmer get his first career start. He winds up giving up four runs, only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a pair of errors out there in the field, but he did wind up giving up a pair of bombs in the process as going deep off of him. Chase Peterson, great name, fifth home run season. And then you have Tyrone Taylor get his fifth home run the campaign. And a little bit later, Luis Urias was able to get his fifth home run the campaign. And it comes off of Daniel Norris, who really lit this one on fire, giving up three runs over the course of two innings, all of which were earned before Robbie Gazelman puts out the fire. And then in game two, Aaron Ashby was dealing for the Milwaukee Brewers. 3-1. to one. Brewers get it done as Ashby. Six innings. 12 punch outs. Gave up a solo run going deep. 
for the Cubs. You did have Wilson Contreras get a seventh home run season, but past that, he was terrific. Brad Boxberger goes two scoreless settings, and I don't think we can expect Josh Hader to be coming out of the bullpen on Tuesday. He got his second save in the day as he wound up being able to do a solid job being a hold down the fourth there, and for the Brewers, pair of home runs. Victor Carantini, his third of the season, and Tyrone Taylor, his second home run of the day. That was his sixth of the season as he winds up being able to go deep off of the reliever Brandon Hughes, who winds up giving up a run in an inning, and you did have Drew Smiley come in, and he was pretty much a pseudo-opener going three scoreless innings and then got yanked. They probably shouldn't have done that as Anderson Espinosa wanted making his first career pitching appearance. was used as a bulk guy, went four innings, gave up two runs, both of which were earned, including the other of those home runs. So that was not too terrific. And then the Pittsburgh Pirates. They wind up being able to rally from down against the LA Dodgers in a game that was very topsy-turvy. Pirates wind up being able to get this one done by kind of 6-5 with David Benar being able to give pretty much a two-inning win. Zach Thompson was saw it in this one. Gives up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including a pair of bombs for the Dodgers. They did play a little bit of home run derby in this one. And so Alberto gets his first home run season off of Thompson. And Mookie Betts, this guy's white hot right now. 15th home run of the season for him. And then you did wind up having also Edwin Rios be able to get his seventh home run season. And then I was curious just how hot Mookie Betts is at this point. You take a look at it, and over the last 15 days, he's got nine home runs. So, yeah, that's pretty darn good right there. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates, what else was pretty darn good was the fact that they got their own home runs off of Walker Buehler as Brian Reynolds goes deep for his seventh home run season. And the first career home runs of Tucopita Marcano. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. As it's not been a great year for Walker Buehler. Gives up four runs over the course of six innings. Yancey Almonte gives you two scoreless innings, but... Craig Kimbrell blows the save. He gives up two runs, one of which was earned in an inning. Freddie Freeman did wind up hurting him with an error, but from there, the Pirates were able to get it done as he did have Dylan Peters give up a run in one and a third inning. So David Bernard, to his detriment, he did wind up giving up two runs in the eighth inning, but then was able to hold it down in the ninth to be able to get the W. So we did wind up seeing a lot of overage. I'm using a little bit of a foam term there with regards to the totals. And if you're taking a look overall for the season, unders still lead overs out there in Major League Baseball. As we've seen, 358 unders at 319 overs. But all of a sudden, the overs are starting to make a surge. And if you're looking at favorites for the season, they are 425 and 291. But among the 425 wins for favorites, 115 have been by approximately one run, not being able to cover the run line. This is manifested by home favorites being 268 and 188. But among those home favorites, you've seen 85 of them not be able to cover the run line, winning by approximately one run. And if you're looking at the last seven days, underdogs 41 and 55, hitting a little bit over 42%. And overs, they are 47 and 44. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we wound up seeing on Monday. Now let's turn the page forward to Tuesday and let's take a look at the American League East with our good friend Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports. He joins me next right here on the Baseball Winning Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, it's Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. 
and they play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be my my (laughs) game. 
Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. We're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by our guest as Curtis Rogers does a terrific job over there at 710 Seattle Sports. He does Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game work. And on top of that, during the NFL season, he is the Seattle Seahawks scoreboard anchor as well. And a man that you've heard many times on my college basketball podcast as well, Coast to Coast Hoops. So this guy does a little bit of everything and does a great job following the game of baseball. You're able to follow him on Twitter and Instagram at a kid from Kent altogether. And Curtis, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Greg, always, always looking forward to our conversations. A rare off day on the Mariners schedule. So, But as we know, it's just an off day in name. We're still working. We're still grinding. Always appreciate hopping on with you. Yeah, but more importantly, as we're doing this, it is a Memorial Day Monday, so obviously taking out a little bit of time to remember all those that wanted making the ultimate sacrifice for this country as well. But with that said, the Mariners, they are going to be back at it on Tuesday. And for the Seattle Mariners, it certainly has been a little bit of a topsy-turvy season for them. Currently, they're clocking in at 20 and 28. And when I take a look at the Mariners, I've actually liked what I've seen with regards to the bats. As we remember last year, this was one of the worst teams at being able to get on base thus far this season. Guys like Ty, Ty France, along with Adam Frazier, have been able to step up a little bit. I'm sure you'd agree as well. Julio Rodriguez has been incredible for this team, especially with being able to get on base, steal some bases. But it just feels like the pitching from last year to this year has really regressed with the Seattle Mariners. That's pretty much the story of their season to this point. The pitching has not quite held up their end of the bargain. You look at their starting pitching, Robbie Ray has not lived up to the Cy Young Award that he won a year ago. I mean, he's had a few moments. I mean, he still is averaging over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. Marco Gonzalez hasn't been as sharp as he's been in years past. Chris Flexen is having a hard time repeating what he did a year ago, and part of that is also the run support that he's been getting. In his first five starts, I think he'd gotten seven total runs of support. So that was not 
an ideal start to the season. And then out of that fifth spot in the rotation, we saw Matt Brash at the start of the year. He had a few flashes of brilliance, but really struggled with his command. Now George Kirby is in that spot. He is all about command, only has two walks in his first four starts, but there have been varying levels of performance out of him. And then the bullpen, I mean, outside of Paul Sewald, really not anybody right now that you'd feel comfortable handing the ball to in the sixth, seventh, or eighth innings. We saw Drew Steckenrider, who was a huge part of their bullpen a year ago, get demoted to AAA late last week. So there's a big hole right there. You know, who knows is going to step up in that spot. Matt Brash was sent down to AAA in order to come back as a relief pitcher. So there's a little bit of question as to how he's going to adjust to that. I look at the pitching right now, and that is the biggest reason for concern for this Mariners team and really the biggest culprit for their 2028 start. Yeah, it certainly has been a little bit difficult for them. And I take a look at Robbie Ray as well. I like the offseason signing for them, but I do feel like the expectations might have been a little bit too high on them because I think that we both agree. The reason why Robbie Ray wound up getting the Cy Young in the American League last year is because, well, the American League, they just didn't wind up having a lot of starters having necessarily the world's greatest career years out there. And I think that that pressure of Robbie Ray has really held over to this year, even when he wound up winning that award last season. He's giving up about a home run and a half per nine innings, and the ERA is up a little bit. The walks are up a tab, but it's not like he's been completely, I guess you call it an outlier from last season. And I do feel like maybe the preseason expectations for Robbie Ray were just a tad too high. Yeah. And I think obviously that comes with winning a Cy Young award. Everybody expects you to be that kind of pitcher every time you tow the rubber. I read a crazy stat. This is before his 10th start and he has 60 innings pitch total on the season. I think 60 and two thirds through his 54 innings pitch, his first 54 innings pitch this season. He had allowed 34 total runs to that point. 27 of those earned runs were allowed in just seven innings of work. He was succumbing to a big inning just about every start he was making. And in the other 47 innings pitched, his ERA was .76. So Robbie Ray, if he can avoid the big inning, we're looking at a guy who is among the best pitchers in the American League. The problem is that big inning has done him in way too often. We saw it against the Red Sox when Trevor Story hit the Grand Slam. We saw it against the New York Mets. We've seen it time and time again. If he can avoid that big inning, if he can avoid the three-run home run, the Grand Slams, what have you, this is a guy that is still a top-of-the-rotation starter. And I still have high hopes for him heading into the season's middle part here. I do think he is better than what he has shown through the season's first 10 games. But boy, when you're the Mariners and you're forking over 20 plus million dollars for somebody to anchor your rotation, you're going to want a little bit more production than what you've seen out of him so far. No question about it. I do think that that's going to be so important because we are seeing teams out there in the ALS really pitching well this year as well as we've got Curtis Rogers over there with Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. And you take a look at the team that is currently leading the ALS at the Houston Astros and What I think is just so surprising about the Houston Astros is the way that the pitching has come to the forefront. You take a look at them right now. They've allowed 36 runs fewer than any other team in this division. When you think of the Houston Astros, you think of the managers like Jose Altuve. You think of Jordan Alvarez. You think of Michael Brantley. I don't think a lot of people think of guys like Framber Valdez. I don't think they think of someone like a Rafael Montero who currently has a 0.50 ERA out there in the bullpen. Now, I think there's going to be regression there. There's no way that he's going to have a 0.46 ERA 
when it's all said and done. But I take a look at the pitching that the Astros are getting. And I mean, out here in Vegas, they have by far the best under team in all of baseball. As a matter of fact, they lead the league in both under rate at home and on the road, which is absolutely insane. But I take a look at this Astros pitching, and if they continue to get this, this is a team to beat in the American League, in my opinion. Totally agree. Yeah, as a team, they have a 2-9-0 ERA. As a team, they are under three. That's absurd. And I think the biggest difference between them last year and this year, and look, last year they nearly won the World Series. They, you know, forced a game six against the Atlanta Braves. But I think the biggest difference between last year's team and this year's team is that they have a bullpen. They have a really good bullpen. Getting that bridge to Ryan Presley, who is their closer. You mentioned Montero with his sub .5 ERA. Ryan Stanek has been incredible. Brian Abreu, Phil Maton, Hector Neris picking him up from Philadelphia. I mean, they are deep in that bullpen right now. Being able to go from great starting pitching, like you mentioned with Fran Valdez, Justin Verlander, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, I mean, Jake Odorizzi is even having a nice season. To be able to go to that and then hand it over to your bullpen, which is something last year that they really struggled with. They, they addressed it at the trade deadline, but by then it just kind of felt like it was a little too little too late. But right now that bullpen is really just locking teams down. And you mentioned Rafael Montero with the .46 ERA. I know a lot of Mariners fans hear that, and they are groaning because last year he he was so bad with the Mariners. He had an ERA, I think, over seven by the time he was traded at the deadline uh, involved in that Kendall Graveman, Abraham Toro, Joe Smith trade. Look, I mean, as we know with relief pitching, it is incredibly volatile. From one season, you can look terrible, and the next season, you can look completely dominant. The Astros are seeing it swing that way. The Mariners seeing it swing the other way. Yep, and for Montero, 727 was his ERA with the Seattle Mariners, and it's not a small sample size. That was 40 appearances and a negative 1.8 war, and now it's a 0.46 ERA. And Joe Smith even has a sub-2 ERA right now with the Minnesota Twins. So it has been very wild to take a look at that as – the Astros have certainly been rolling in for the LA Angels. They did wind up getting swept against the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that we both agree. This is right now looking like the clear number two team out there in the AL West. But you do have to wonder about their pitching as well. Because I mentioned with the Astros how they have been so terrific. And I will say the Angels starters are looking very solid right now. Michael Lorenzen has been able to give you a couple of solid starts. North or Syndergaard he has come off of injury. He's been able to do a solid job. Shoy Otani is Shoy Otani. But the difference right now in the division, in my opinion, is we just talked about all those great Astros relievers, how they've been performing this year. The Angels currently have none of that in their bullpen. And I wonder if the Angels are going to be able to sustain if their pitching staff can't hold its end of the bargain. I mean, we've seen them even have to dip into their minor league system, bring up a guy like Chase Silseth, who just a calendar year ago was pitching in the College World Series. I think he was part of that Angels draft class where in 20 rounds they took 20 pitchers. <laughs> Congrats to you guys for, for doing that, I guess. But, you know, whatever is going to help you fill out that rotation in later years. But, yeah, I, I look at this Angels rotation and and just their bullpen I feel like it is a lot less proven than the Astros and we're seeing it right now with the Angels having lost five in a row and kind of came back down to earth I I do think though they have enough firepower to potentially get a wild card spot this season and you know you look at the rest of the American League West right now the Rangers the Mariners and the A's not really putting up much of a fight so that spells 
potentially a good thing for the Angels. Now, the Angels haven't even played the Mariners yet. I don't think they play each other until mid-June, which is wild to think about. Two division opponents not playing each other in the first two months of the season. So I think we're going to get a better read on what both those teams are like once the calendar flips to June. But you know, with the Angels having their pitching staff relied upon a lot of guys who aren't necessarily in these kinds of roles. I mean, Michael Lorenzen, when he was with the Reds, not necessarily relied upon as a starter a whole lot. Patrick Sandoval, this is a big opportunity for him, especially over the last couple of years. Reed Detmers, another guy. I mean, he had the no-hitter earlier this season. You know, it was a no-hitter where he struck out two guys in the game. It was very much pitching to contact. And then Noah Syndergaard, you hope and pray that he can hold up over the course of a 162-game schedule. I look at this Angels team, Yes, their pitching staff remains the biggest question mark on the roster, but that doesn't mean that they haven't been good to start the season. I think they've been great. I think any team seeing the production that they've gotten out of their starting pitching uh, would gladly take that. But like you said, the bullpen, if they can hold up their end of the bargain, I think they right this ship and get past this five-game skid that they're currently on. Yep, I do think that the Angels are going to be able to do a relatively solid job there, but... Man, I do still have the question marks when it comes to the bullpen. Rossi Iglesias has some very nasty stuff, but Ryan Tapera has been getting tagged this year when you're relying upon guys like Jimmy Harrogate and Oliver Ortega to be able to be the bridge guys. That is a little bit of a roll of the dice right there, as we do have Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports joining me on the podcast. And Curtis, when it comes to the American League in general, I mentioned it. If the Astros continue to get this pitching, I do think that they are the team to beat. But what is the outlook, in your opinion, with regards to this American League? Because I take a look at whoever winds up coming out of the Central, whether that be the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins. I don't think that they're going to be able to compete with the main two teams. That would be the New York Yankees along with the... Houston Astros, but I just take a look at the entirety of the American League. I do think that it's going to be relatively competitive, but I do think that the Yankees and the Astros have certainly separated themselves but as number one and number two. And then you've got from there the teams out there in the Central, the Blue Jays, the Rays, teams like this that I feel like they're all trying to build and they're all trying to take down these big two at this point. Yeah, I, I look at that AL Central race and how awful would it be if the Twins win that division, make it to the playoffs, and still can't win a playoff game. Since 2002, oh. they've lost, what, 19 in a row in the playoffs? But look, you look at the talent discrepancy between the contenders in the American League East. They look at the Yankees race. I would even lump the Blue Jays in that, even though they have a negative run differential and have gotten off to a much slower start than I think a lot of people had anticipated. I know I didn't anticipate them getting off to such a slow start this season. And then you look at Houston in the West. I think at least three of those teams, if not all four, the Yankees, Rays, Jays, and Astros, are better on paper than the Minnesota Twins. Now, uh, the Twins have certainly been outperforming a lot of projections for them this season. And look, you add a guy like Carlos Correa to that lineup, and really they're getting healthy. I think it does spell good for the Twins. I think it is interesting to see them put a little bit of distance between themselves and the White Sox right now here on Memorial Day. And I think Memorial Day is an, is an interesting jumping-off point in terms of getting a read on every team. I think we all kind of know what each team is like at this point in the season. And, you know, you look at the Twins, they're four and a half up on the White Sox. The White Sox have had their fair share of struggles this season, so much so that they just recently DFA'd Dallas Keuchel, who was a big free agent signing of theirs just a couple of seasons ago. So I look at that AL Central race. I, I think the Twins are the team to beat right now in that division, which is wild to think about because, look, the White Sox are definitely one of the most talented teams in the American League. But how are they going to be able to replace Tim Anderson's production in that lineup with him going to the injured list, dealing with that growing injury? 
that's going to be a huge bat to replace in that lineup for, you know, who knows how long that might go. You know, and this White Sox team has, has just not been able to hit their stride really at any point in the first couple months of this season. And then you look at the AL East right now. I mean, I wouldn't want to face the Yankees. I wouldn't want to face the Rays. I wouldn't want to face the Blue Jays. Heck, the Red Sox have been playing a lot better as of late too. Trevor Story could potentially be the American League Player of the Month. I just think if we're going to be looking at the true contenders in the American League, I would look at the top of the East and the top of the West if we're if we're going to be banking on any of these teams playing deep into October. I don't blame you there. And you've mentioned the Dallas Keuchel DFAing. There are a lot of people out there in Vegas that were very sad because betting against Dallas Keuchel was paying rent for many, many <laughs> folks and also taking the overs in those games. So it was a sad day when he wanted King DFA'd a few days ago, as we know of Curtis Rogers of some dead Seattle sports. Joining me on the podcast, and Curtis, we've got a lot of series that have either started up on Monday or are going to be starting up on Tuesday. Is there any in particular that you're going to be taking a look at? Because no doubt, two teams that we want. I'm just talking about White Sox and Blue Jays. Very intrigued to see what we wind up getting there. But is there anything else that's on the docket for the next few days that's really catching your eye? Well, yeah, I mean, that Angels-Yankees series in New York, I think we're going to learn very quickly how good this Angels team is, especially coming off a five-game losing streak. They are playing the Yankees in the Bronx. I mean, if you're going to right the ship, that is not the team to, to do it against. That is a very tough draw. And then also Chicago at Toronto, I think that'll be a good one. Giolito against Kevin Gosman scheduled for Tuesday. And then I really like that Padres-Cardinals series. Blake Snell against Adam Wainwright on Tuesday. Snell has not really looked all that great this season, but I mean the Padres have been playing really good baseball. The Cardinals have been playing really good baseball. I think that's going to be a very competitive series. So I look at those series right now as ones that I will definitely be keeping an eye on in terms of some quality, quality opponents, some matchups that have a little more at stake than, than the others. Yep, I think that those American League series that you are bringing up, those are going to be absolutely massive. So we've got some great action that's coming up the next few days. And Curtis, I know that you're doing a great job of taking a look at everything that is going down out there in the Seattle and Washington sports scene. You do pre- and post-game work with the Seattle Mariners, but on top of that, I know that on off days for Seattle Mariners games, you're doing a little bit of a new show this year as well, and I know that you're very busy with everything that's going down over there at Seattle Sports with regards to their afternoon shows. list goes on and on. You're a busy man. You do a great job with all of your duties, so let the good people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and just what's all on tap for you. Well, yeah, we've got just about everything going on this time of year. Yeah, check out Extra Innings. You can download that wherever it is to get your podcast. Uh, That is a two-hour podcast that I do each off day for the Mariners. Just kind of catch you up on where they've been to that point and then get you set for the next couple of series with some opponent previews and whatnot. That is available also on seattlesports.com. And then like Greg said, you can download everything on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, and, and following along on Twitter at Atticid from Kent. And Greg, always appreciate you having me on. I'm always carving out time for you because this is always a highlight of mine when I can hop on with you. And it's always a highlight of mine whenever I can get you aboard, Curtis. Curtis Rogers doing absolutely amazing work. Taking a look at the game of baseball. It does a great job really covering a little bit of everything out there in the great city of Seattle. Whenever he joins this podcast, he delivers a good. So a big thanks to Curtis Rogers for joining me right here on the Baseball Benning Show, now part of the DC Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the Benning Board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't supposed to be my my (laughs) dad. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my my dance, <laughs> Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I loved that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Curtis Rogers on the show. He does a great job over there at 710 Seattle Sports. Does a little bit of everything for them. Does a lot with regards to their afternoon shows. As you heard, Seattle Mariners pre- and post-game work. Does some work with the Seattle Seahawks. And joins me on Coast to Coast Soups, my college basketball podcast, from time to time. Always a pleasure. I've known him for a very long time since we were both working together in Portland, Oregon. And it was great to be able to get him aboard today. Big thanks to him. Now it is that time the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUnit underscore 81. Going to be going in the last second situation, or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom end. We do have a doubleheader between the Twins and the Tigers. I'm going to do both of those games all together just for simplicity. So how about if we wind up starting with this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. San Francisco Giants are going to be in the road face-off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Ranger Suarez is going to be going for the Phils and Jacob Junis on the bump for San Francisco Giants. In between plus 107 and plus 120 underdogs with the Phillies, you'll find the money between minus 117 and minus 130 with your total 9 over any between minus 115 to minus 125. Unders any between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Phillies, made them a minus 122. So at the minus 117 that we're seeing, I'd be willing to lay it. We are starting to get up a little bit too lofty with this regard, but if we are able to keep that minus 117, I will be online and able to take the Philadelphia Phillies in the spot. You take a look at Ranger Suarez, and he has posted up a 474 ERA, and a big reason why has been the walks. He's been giving up right around 3.9 walks. Per nine innings, but I will argue that he's been a little bit unlucky this year. All those Alec Bohm errors that we've seen, 
Well, those have come with him on the mound, which has been a little bit of an issue. Now, you do take a look at this Philadelphia Philly Seaman. They've done a solid job of being a reach base. Bryce Harper has given you a double-digit amount of homers. He's batting right around a 305. You've got Gene Segura. He's giving you a 275. And the guys at the bottom of the lineup, Alec Bohm, along with even Johan Camargo, Odubo Herrero, they've been able to do a solid job getting on base at Cassianos. He's been able to find a home run in back-to-back games, but... Kyle Schwarber, even though he's hitting just a buck 88, 305 on base, and then you take a look at the San Francisco Giants. You've got a lot of men getting on base for this team, as you've been able to have Jock Peterson be able to emerge with a double-digit amount of homers thus far this season. Thario Estrada starting to get online, and getting back Tommy Vasilla, I think, is really big. Ever since he's returned off the injured list, he's been able to hit right around at 255, 260-ish for this team, as got Evan Longoria as well, who's been able to hit four home runs over the last 10 days for this bunch. So up and down. Giants have been much more fortified with regards to their lineup. Now, the bullpen has not been the same this season, but they were able to save a lot of usage with Logan Webb being able to go eight innings. So even though Camilo Duvall did wind up pitching yesterday, only wound up having to throw 10 pitches. Now, Tyler Rogers has been a little bit of a hot mess for this team, but Jerlyn Garcia has been able to do a solid job. Jose Alvarez, certainly not there, but can you trust in the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen anymore? I think not, as you take a look at some of these guys, and Corey Knable has been not necessarily doing the world's greatest job, has been used in back-to-back days. James Norwood is right now posting up an ERA that is hovering right around an 8-ish. Sir Anthony Dominguez and Andrew Bellotti have actually been nice finds with regards to this bullpen as well, and I do have a little bit more faith here in Rangers Suarez being able to turn it around because you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of Jacob Junis and it's been a solid season for him thus far. He's posting up right around a 275 ERA, 2-1 record. He has given up four home runs at 32 and two-thirds innings, but has been locating it really well right around 1.4-ish walks per nine innings. But many of his starts have wound up coming at home. He has really only made two starts on the road. That was against the Washington Nationals, against the St. Louis Cardinals. And you go back to his days with the Kansas City Royals, always a little bit of a kryptonite with him, was just being able to have consistency in general. You go back to what we wound up seeing during the 2019 and 2020 seasons. You combine those two and wound up having an ERA well north of five. So I do think that this is a case in which Ranger Suarez going to be able to do a relatively solid job at home. Set the Phillies at a minus 122. We are starting to see this tick upwards. So if we wind up getting to a plus 120, I might be able to take a shot because the minus 117 that I've seen before, it is currently gone. So I'm actually now taking a little bit more of a look at the Giants if we can get north of a plus 120 in this spot. And with regards to the run line, I was willing to take the Phillies if I was able to get north of a plus 160. Right now we're finding that right around a plus 145 in a lot of spots. So if anything, might wind up turning into a Giants run line play. So with the current line movement that we're seeing, trying to see if we can get to the Giants to right around about a plus 122-ish. And with regards to the total, I did wind up setting it at an 8.7. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more calm, and I do think that's where it's going to be able to give a little bit of a better start here. So looking under and this point, right now I'm waiting to see mode to try to get the Giants at a little bit north of a plus 120. 9.53, 9.54. On the betting board, you got the Washington Nationals. They're in the road. They're facing off against the New York Mets. Trevor Williams is going to be going for the Mets, and one Patrick Corbin is going to be on the bump for the Nats. The Nationals are finding themselves in between a plus 150 and a plus 161, and with the Metropolitans, anywhere between minus 165 and minus 172, with your total at 9. The overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even and minus 105, 
When it comes to the Nationals, I needed at least a plus 194 to be able to take a shot here. So we are nowhere even close. If you're looking at the run line of the Mets, you're finding it in most places right around a plus 120. I was willing to take pretty much any sort of a plus price here. So I'm going to be looking to reduce the juice because Patrick Corbin has been absolutely terrible for this Washington Nationals. He and Yon Adon have both had similar records when they've taken the mound as both of these guys have made 10 starts, and both of these guys and their team starts, well, the team is 1-9, so that's not necessarily too terrific. And for Patrick Corbin, you're able to rest assured that the team has been losing a lot of his starts by multiple runs. Eight out of the 10 starts that he's made, they have lost by multiple runs. There's one win, and there's one loss of one run in there, so I do feel pretty secure about that. Run line, 630 ERA with Patrick Corbin, and take a look at what he's done on the road, 686 Brody RA overall with regards to his walks, he's been giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. What's been even worse is that opponents are ripping the cover off of him, hitting at 293. And for Trevor Williams, as a starter, he hasn't necessarily been as good as he has been coming out of the bullpen. As you take a look at his two most rough outings, both of them did wind up coming in starts against the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. So you'll notice his ERA coming out of the bullpen. That is sub two. His ERA is starter significantly higher, but he's just done better in general. In New York, 324 home ERA, 502 road ERA, and it's backed up by a better bullpen than the Washington Nationals. You take a look at the Nats, and boy, did they wind up getting hickory smoked yesterday, as it's a bunch of which they're relying upon a guy in Tanner Rainey as their closer that had a 70 ERA last season. They had to use Austin Voth, Andres Machado, and Paul Espinel, all for at least 19 pitches yesterday, so... It means that you're looking to Victor Arano coming out of the bullpen, and there's a reason why the Nationals team are in the bottom 10 with regards to bullpen here. And for the Mets, now they can see world's greatest bullpen. They got rid of Aaron Lupe Gal Castro last season, but you've been able to get some relatively solid production on some like a Drew Smith, right around 2 5 ish ERA. Edwin Diaz starting to regress a little bit, but I do think that Seth Lugo is currently posting up a 370 ERA is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more. And for the Mets, they had a nice big giant outburst in the game yesterday. David Peterson, great name, didn't wind up giving a great start. But and when you're backed up by a lineup that includes Elise Galorme, along with the Plummer and Nick Plummer, both hitting above a 350, you know what? Things are going well for you as pretty much every one of their starters, aside from, I think, Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonzo, wind up having a hit by the end of the fifth inning yesterday. And for Alonzo, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers, 355 on base for both he and Francisco Lindor. McNeil sitting above a 300, so this is a solid lineup. And for the Washington Nationals, this is not a bad lineup either. Josh Bell, Long Diadiel Hernandez, both hitting right around 300. You've got Cesar Hernandez, who's giving you right around 275. Juan Soto actually needs to pick it up a little bit. Sitting right around 233. He's only been able to give you nine home runs as far this season. Keep better. Weez has done a solid job of being able to get on base. And even Mikel Franco and Victor Robles are both hitting right around 250. So you actually do have some solid bats when it comes to Washington Nationals, but this is a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Trevor Williams pitches much better at home than he does on the road, so I did wind up saying this total at an 8.8. So I'm going to be taking a look at an under. I think that Corbin is going to pitch a little bit better in this start, but that's not saying much considering how he's done this year. I've got faith that the Mets are going to be able to close this one out by multiple runs. I'm looking at the Mets on the run line, and here at a 9, going to be taking a look at an under. 955, 956 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals, they're going to be playing O.C. Slam Diego Padres. 
Blake Snell is going to be going for the pods, and Adam Wainwright, Waino, is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis is finding themselves in between minus 120 and minus 126 with the Padres. It's a working plus 110 and plus 116. Eight and a half is your total with the over and the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, and I'm going to lay up to a minus 133 on the St. Louis Cardinals because Blake Snell, ever since he wound up getting to San Diego, he has been a vastly different pitcher home to road. Now, he's only made two starts this season, so we really can't use those 2022 splits, but you can take a look at 2021. 15 starts on the road, 6-12 ERA on the road, and his walks per nine rate was north of six at home. 250 home ERA. So just a big giant discrepancy right there. And for Adam Wainwright, had a little bit of a rough go of it to begin the season. And command has not necessarily been there for him thus far this season. He's giving out just under four walks per nine innings. I do look to him being able to pick that up just a little bit, but he has been able to do a good job of being able to induce some soft contact, giving up less than home run per nine innings at home this season. It's been the same for him pretty much as on the road. 313 home ERA, 310 road ERA, but has been able to do a solid job getting a little bit more swing and miss here this season, right around seven, seven and a half-ish strikeouts per nine innings, and he's backed up by a bullpen that they did have to use up Andre Pallante in a little bit of a long roll yesterday, but you still have Ryan Ellsley, someone who has a 0-51 ERA thus far the season after a rough start to the season. Veteran CJ McFarland, Nick Wickren, I do think that they're going to start to pick it up a little bit, and Giovanni Gallegos has been locked down late in games recently ever since he wound up having some early season struggles. And for the San Diego Padres, you do have a bullpen that is starting to improve in their own right as well. Luis Garcia has been able to come in. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort for this team. And you've had Taylor Rogers, who, other than that game that we wound up seeing against the Pittsburgh Pirates a couple days ago, has been very good for this bunch, but you also take a look at the Padres, and it's a very inconsistent lineup. You take a look at the guys that wound up starting on Monday. Eric Hosmer, Manny Machado, both of these guys hitting well above a 300 with Hosmer, 312 batting average, 353 with Manny Machado. One other guy in the starting lineup was hitting above a 233, and that would be their young gun in Jose Azucar, who's been able to do a relatively solid job, but he has been playing every single day. He's the only other guy other than those two hitting above at 233. So that's an issue for the St. Louis Cardinals. Paul Goldschmidt is right now got to be towards the top of the MVP, and obviously very early, but sitting at 350 and got his 11th home run of the season yesterday. He has been very solid for the team. Obviously, can't leave out Mookie Betts with regards to that MVP discussion, but he has been tremendous. Nolan Arenado has been able to go deep nine times, hitting at 265. It's been a little bit tough for him last few weeks, but still has been able to give the team some production. Then you got the younger guys in Brandon Donovan. Tommy Edman has been up for the last few years, but I'll throw him in there. Juan Yepes, all these guys hitting at least a 275. Noah Gorman, how about Gorman hitting a 387? So that has been massive for this bunch as well. I like the overall balance that you've got with Cardinals lineup and Blake Snell. He's got great stuff. Has been incredibly inconsistent on the road. I did want him saying Matola at 7.8. St. Louis, very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. It has been a little bit more of an over-ballpark this season, but with the Padres, they've had a little bit of a tough time getting stuck out of neutral with regards to their offense. I'm going to be taking a look at this under, and I'm looking at the Cardinals. 9.57, 9.58 on the big board. Milwaukee Brewers at the road face-off against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs, and Eric Lauer goes for the Brewer Brewers in between minus 131 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Cubbies between plus 120 and plus 125, no total up on this game as this is a game in Wrigley Field that is going to be dictated by the wind. And much like we wound up seeing yesterday, 
likely going to be a little bit more warm than you typically wind up finding this time of year in Chicago. And wind is going to be blowing out at north of 10 miles an hour. So semi-total at 10.7, 10 half or less, looking over 11 or higher to the under. And with the Brewers, set them at a minus 138. So seeing the minus 131, minus 135-ish, I'm going to be willing to take Eric Lauer and company in this buy. You take a look at Lauer and he has been getting a whole bunch of swings and misses right around 11 punch shots per nine innings thus far this season. He's been giving up a little bit too much on contact right around 1.4 runs per nine innings. You do have your fears there, especially with the win blowing out on this day. And he has had a 338 roadie R compared to a 090 homie area, but still opponents are a two of six off of him. He has been just flat out filthy. And you take a look at this Chicago Cubs bullpen and at this time, I would say about 10 days ago, they were in the top four with regards to the National Leagues in terms of bullpen area. That is starting to regress as Scott Efres over the last 15 days. Things have really started to unravel on him in this time span. He has posted up an ERA of north of a 7. Michael Givens has been giving up a couple too many runs. Daniel Norris is now rocking a north of a 5 ERA. Rowan Wick has started to give up runs as well. His ERA is pushing past the 250. So this is an issue for this Cubs team. And with the Cubs, it's just a very feast or famine offense. They have been able to generate nearly a run more per game at home than on the road. But a lot of that is because they wound up having that 21-run outburst against the Pittsburgh Pirates about a month and a half ago. You do have a couple guys who are able to get on base for this Cubs team as you do have Christopher Morrell and Wilson Contreras both giving you north of a 380 on base and you have more like a 360 on base but Patrick Wisdom has been striking out in more than 40% of his at-bats. Does have a double-digit amount of home runs but it's got to clean that up a little bit. C.A. Suzuki has been stuck on four home runs for seemingly a neon. He and Rafael Ortega both give you a 340 on base but certainly has been a little bit of an issue there and then you do take a look at the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a team that is banged up in their own right as well. We deal with injuries to Hunter Renfro along with William Thomas. So that has put them a little bit behind the eight ball, but Luis Odias has been able to hit right around at 250. And then you've got Kessinira, Tyrone Taylor, Rowdy Tellez, able to throw on their Christian Yelich as well. All these guys hitting right around at 235 to about a 248-ish. So these guys have been able to do a nice job being able to keep the line moving with Tellez. He's been able to go deep a double-digit amount of times this season. Victor Carantini is starting to give you a little bit of power. He's got a pair of home runs over the last four days for the team. Mark Barrasso has been able to give you a 380 on base. And the big thing for the Milwaukee Brewers is that this is a team that has those big guns out there in the bullpen. You did wind up having to use up Josh Hader yesterday, but he could wind up coming back and back to make days. They have not used him a lot recently, so that is something that's beneficial for the team. Brad Boxberger is someone that's able to do a good job in the middle innings. And Aaron Ashby's start in the double dip that we wound up having yesterday. Him being able to go north of six innings, that wound up really being able to save a lot of these guys like a Trevor got out there in the bullpen. So that is going to be able to help them out moving forward. I do take a look at Justin Steele and he's just someone that winds up giving up a couple too many walks. He's giving up right around four and a half-ish walks for nine innings this season. He's only given up two home runs. He has been able to get some good swing and miss stuff going. A little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but that said, I do think that the Brewers are going to be able to get to him. I think that Lauer is going to be on his game, but I think that he might wind up giving up a little bit of hard contact as well. 10 and a half or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over and an 11 or higher. Going to be taking a look at an under and with the Brewers. One to lay right around a minus 138-ish with them. 959-960 on the betting board. This is a game that's currently off the board between the Miami Marlins and the Colorado Rockies. Odomon Marquez is going to be going for the Rockies, and the Marlins are a big giant to be determined. Now, it looks like Edward Cabrera is most likely going to be getting the call up to the big leagues, and he is expected to wind up making his start. Cabrera, one of the more highly touted guys 
out there in this organization for the Miami Marlins. And he actually wound up making a few starts last year, if that sounds familiar. He made seven starts. Wound up not necessarily having the best time of it at the big league level. He wound up giving up six home runs at 26 and a third innings. But you take a look at what he's been able to do at the minor league level this season. And he certainly has been able to do a relatively solid job. He's getting 12 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The thing is, he's pretty much sort of a Rick the Wild thing. Vaughn, this year at the minor league level, he's been giving up five walks per nine innings. That is something that is not necessarily so terrific, especially when you wind up going to Coors Field. And for Irma Marquez, I have a tough time putting him as a super massive favorite, even given this, because, well, Irma Marquez has a 6.30 ERA this season. He is giving up right in the neighborhood about 1.5 bombs per nine innings. The command for him has not necessarily been too bad. He's given up 2.8 walks per nine innings. He'd like it to be a little bit better, but has really struggled both home and road. 603 home ERA, 689 road ERA, and he's backed up by a bullpen that is dead last in terms of ERA in the big leagues now. They were actually able to do a rock-solid job yesterday, and Ryan Feltner was able to save them as he wound up being able to deliver seven strong innings. He did wind up having Lucas Gilbreth come out of the bullpen, and he's got north of a 70 ERA, but he only wound up getting used up for a couple pitches. Alex Kalme has not been overly terrible for this team. He's been a little bit of an addition. Carlos Aceves is someone I've always liked, but he's had a little bit of a tough time with it as well. But you do take a look at the flip side for the Miami Marlins that when Pablo Lopez wound up leaving the game yesterday, they they just wound up completely lighting this game on fire. You wound up having to use up Tanner Scott and Cole Solzer. The good news is Anthony Bass is out there in the bullpen. He's got himself a sub-2 ERA. He really had Lewis head be able to step up for the team as well. He's got a sub-2 ERA too, so these are guys that should be beneficial, and you did take a look at the Miami Marlins, and the lineup itself is not too bad. You've got Garrett Cooper, Jazz Chislums, Williams, Asadio, Joey Wendell, all in between about a 270 to a 285, and with Jazz Chislum, he's been able to give you right around 7 to 8 home runs. That has been solid. Orde Soler, not necessarily doing a great job with the 215 batting average, but he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Uh, VCO Garcia, now off the injured list, he Asus Sanchez, Miguel Rojas, along Jacob Sellings, only right around the Mendoza line of 200 to a 220, but Sanchez hit one of the greatest shots that you're ever going to find yesterday, like a 500-foot home run. Absolutely crazy there, and I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up, and for the Rockies, this is a squad that just has such big home and road splits. This is a team that they're hitting right around 45 points higher with regards to their batting average at home than on the road, and look no further than C.J. Crone. Nine home runs at home thus far this season. He's hitting like a 385-ish at home, compared to barely above a 200 on the road. It's absolutely wild. Randall Kirchick has been able to ride around 270 for this bunch. Jonathan Daza, he's hitting above a 350. Charlie Blackman has always been better at home than he has been on the road as well. So we do take a look at the spot, figuring that we're getting Edward Cabrera versus Erdogan Marquez. Obviously, it's going to change a little bit if we don't wind up getting Cabrera, but want to make him the Rockies in this spot. Minus 148 in terms of how big of a favorite I made them in. Semi-total in at 11.1 because I don't think Cabrera is going to have a lot of command and, well, Erdogan Marquez has been a hot mess this year. So at 11 or less, looking over 11 and a half or higher to the under as we go 961-962 on the bang board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Umberto Castellanos is going to be going for the Snakes and Charlie Morton is going to be on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta is finding themselves in between minus 153 and minus 170 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Snakes, it's anywhere between plus 142 and plus 150 with your total 9 over and under. Anywhere between even money and minus 120. So we've got a big discrepancy there and 
with this push into a plus 150. I'm going to be willing to take a shot on Arizona. Needed at least a plus 145 to be able to nibble on them. You take a look at this Arizona Diamondbacks team, and the batting average has not been there all season long there, as a matter of fact. Dead last in the National League in terms of batting average, but the Atlanta Braves entering into the game yesterday, getting a 213 as a collective on the road. Now, I think that there's going to be positive progression with this. Ronald Acuna Jr. is now back in the fold. You have Austin Riley now starting to fire on all cylinders. Riley along with Matt Olson. You're able to throw in there Ozzy Albies and Travis Arnau. They're all hitting between about a 240 to a 251. So I do think that they're going to be able to tread upward. And for Riley, 12 home runs thus far this season. That is good for this team. But you have noticed that you've just got nothing whatsoever out of Adam Duvall. He's hitting right around the middle line of a 200. And they've been trying to mix a match out there in the outfield. Meanwhile, you do take a look at the Diamondbacks. And while they're not hitting for a lot of average, they are hitting for quite a bit of power. Christian Walker is able to give you a double-digit amount of homers. Paven Smith wound up hitting a three-run bomb yesterday. He is starting to pick it up. Dalton Varsho to be able to give you eight home runs. He's hitting a 260. Josh Ross wound up missing much of the early part of the season. He's already had a three-home run game this season. He's got a 360 on base as well. David Peralta starting to pick it up as well. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, big key for this team is the trustworthy guys out there in the bullpen. Sean Poppin, along with Ian Kennedy, have both sub-3-5 ERAs. Noe Ramirez, not great, not terrible, right around 3 ERA. And Joe Manette-Tipley has been absolutely masterful for this team, right around a 0-50 ERA. When you wind up getting the guys like Mark Melanson and company, that's where it's really been a roll of the dice. And then when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, this is a bunch that they've had some relatively solid bullpen pitching in their own right. Jackson Stevens, he's been posting up an ERA that's rocking right around a 2. You've got Colin McHugh, who wound up having a really rough start to begin the season, but his ERA has been going downward. A.J. Minter has been able to do a solid job for this team as well, but I do take a look at the starting pitching, and Charlie Morton, he wound up having a lower ERA on the road last season than he did at home. He has had his ups and downs this year, to say the least. 528 ERA, not allowing too much hard contact, giving up just five home runs in his 44 and a third innings, but his walks per nine rate, that is currently at a four, and that's right now, it's truly killing him. He's given up at least three runs in three out of his last five starts, and the deceptiveness that he wound up having on the road, just has not been there this year with a 675 home ERA, Umberto Cassianos. You know that this guy's just not going to give you a lot of swings and misses. He's giving you right around six punch outs per nine innings. Has allowed right around 1.3-ish home runs per nine innings. Had a really rough start against the LA Dodgers, but against a lot of the lesser teams, he has been able to come out. He's been able to hold down the fort, and you take a look at what Umberto Cassianos has been able to do at home. Right around a 6-ish ERA compared to more around a 4-ish ERA on the road. This is because opponents are at 70 points higher off of him at home. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression with this. So I do take a look at the Snakes being able to get north of a plus 145. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here. Set the total at a name point two as well. Diamondbacks have had a tough time getting on base all season long. And with the Atlanta Braves, they just haven't really been able to hit on the road themselves. So looking at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Diamondbacks. 963-964 on the betting board. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit the road to face off against the LA Dodgers. One Julio Arias is going to be going for the Dodgers. For the Pirates, it is to be determined. It could wind up being Mitch Keller, and if it does wind up being Mitch Keller, that essentially means a bullpen game because they were thinking that he was going to get relegated to the bullpen, and if you do wind up getting Mitch Keller, whether it be as a starter or a bulk guy, got a gentleman that right now is posting up a 6.05 ERA, and 
the swing and miss stuff they wound up having a few seasons ago. It's down to right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He just has never been able to command right around three and a half walks per nine innings. If it winds up being someone like a Will Crow, who last time he wound up pitching, that I believe was on Sunday, and he's been able to give you right around two innings per appearance. He's been giving up himself right around four walks per nine innings. Has not necessarily been too terrific in any sort of a long roll himself. And it's a Pirates bullpen that, despite the fact that all but two of their wins have come out of the bullpen, this has been a bunch that has been in the bottom eight with regards to bullpen ERA. And then you got the lone 20 win pitcher out there from the big leagues last season in Julio Rios, who's going to be towing the rubber. And he has been able to do a solid job recently. Two runs are fear in four of his last five starts. Wind up having a little bit of a blow up start against the Philadelphia Phillies. But Bassett has been able to come in. He's really been able hold down the fort. As a matter of fact, every one of his earned runs wanted coming in that Philly start at home this season, and you take a look at the LA Dodgers, they do back him up with a very solid lineup. You've got Mookie Betts, who's right now looking like one of the front runners for MVP. 14 home runs, hitting nearly a 300, and then we've got Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, both hitting right around 300 for the team as well. Edwin Rios, surprisingly, he's the only guy not named Mookie Betts that right now has more than five home runs for the team. He's been able to pound out six bombs for this bunch. Will Smith has been able to do a solid job of being a reach base recently. The bottom lineup has been a little bit touch and go, but Kevin Lux has been able to right around 275. And I will say, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you do have a couple guys that will be able to get on base for this team. You've got Cabrian Ace. He's been able to right around 285. Michael Chavis has sort of been in and out of the fold, but he's been able to do a nice job. They wind up setting up a little bit of a young outfielder in Tokopita Marcano. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. He's been doing a solid job ever since he wanted getting the call up to the big leagues, but take a look at these guys like Rodolfo Castro, Michael Perez, Jack Swisniski, all guys going into Monday, hitting a sub buck 80. That's an issue, and when it comes to the LA Dodgers, they do back up Arias with one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues, and it's not necessarily the household names. It's guys like Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, whenever he's been out there, Phil Bickford, because he's out with some injuries. Not necessarily Ben Craig Kimbrough, who's right now got a 450 ERA, so I find that to be interesting with the Dodgers, and with the Dodgers, if it does wind up being Arias against Mitch Keller slash sort of a bullpen game, said the Dodgers at a minus 263 on the money line, minus 127, laying around an F, and I actually set my total low, 7.4, so 7 or less looking over, 7 half prior to the under as we go to our double dip here, 965-966, going to be in conjecture with 975-976 between the Minnesota Twins and the Detroit Tigers. We're going to do game number one first since we've actually got determined pitchers for both of these Game one is going to be Devin Smeltzer for the Minnesota Twins and Ronnie Garcia for the Detroit Tigers. So on this game is 8.5. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. And with Smeltzer and company, anywhere between minus 138 and minus 148 is your price. And with Detroit, you're going to be finding them in between plus 120 and plus 135. In game number one, I did mind saying the Twins at a minus 141. So here at the minus 140, it's pretty much a max I'd be willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay up to a minus 140, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under Devin Smeltzer. Not a guy that's going to come out there and is going to give you a whole bunch of swings and misses, but he has been able to do a solid job of being able to give you some good command. 17 and a third innings. He's not giving up a home run, just four walks. He's only been able to get right around four and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's gotten a cup of coffee at the big leagues each out of the last few seasons, and that's not necessarily been his game, but has done an absolutely terrific job of just being able to hold down the four, be able to keep things low scoring. I do think that he's eventually going to start to give up some runs, but I don't think that's going to be to the Tigers. We'll get into their lineup in a minute. And then you've got Ronnie Garcia, who has been able to get a couple opportunities at the big leagues level. He wanted making his first career start against the Minnesota Twins about a week or so ago. Went four innings, gave up two runs. You take a look at what he's done at the minor league level, and there's just nothing that says that Ronnie Garcia is necessarily going to be a great big leaguer. I'm going to be honest with you, because 
because this is someone that he winds up giving up quite a few walks. I mean, the swing and miss stuff, it's not terrible, but at the same time, you'd like it to be a little bit better. Here in 2022, 6.75 ERA, only a limited amount of appearances at the minor league level, but he had four and a half strikeouts per nine innings last season. He wound up having more like 11 and a half punch outs per nine innings, but also wound up having four and a half walks per nine innings. So that is a big giant issue right there. And then you take a look at the Minnesota Twins and lineup very solid. You do need Byron Buxton to be able to pick it up with the batting average. He's just been not necessarily himself since he wanted coming off the injury list. He's hitting just a 203 this season, so that is an issue, but you've got Kyle Carlick who's hitting a 250 for you, Gio Rochella, along with Nick Gordon, both of them hitting right around 270, and Luis Arias is one of the more underrated players out there in the big leagues. 454 on base. Not a guy that's going to go out there and hit bombs, but he has been absolutely tremendous for this team. Trevor Larnish wanted being out for a little bit. He's hitting a 300. Max Kepler has been in and out of the full, but he's been able to do a good job as well. But then you take a look at the Detroit Tigers and boy, oh boy, you've got yourself Des Cameron, Spencer Torkelson, Javi Baez, Jamie Candelario, Jonathan Scope, coupled with Eric Koss, all hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200. Hero Castro, along with Willie Castro, Castro squared. They're the only two guys that wound up getting in a bet yesterday, hitting above a 250 for this team. And for the Detroit Tigers, they are by far the deadliest team in the big leagues in terms of home runs. They have thus far this season played in 46 games, and you got 27 home runs. That's not too terrific, but what is terrific is this Tigers bullpen entering into Monday. Number two in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Willie Peralta has been able to give you right around a one-ish ERA. Andrew Chafin has started to give up a few more runs. He and Michael Fulmer are both posting up ERAs that are hovering right around three, but Alex Lang has been masterful for the team. Sub-2 ERA, and for the Minnesota Twins, it's right around the league average in terms of their ERA in the bullpen. Joe Smith, buck 70 ERA, he's starting to get hit around a little bit more. Ty Duffy, it's not been great, but Yohan Duran, he right now leads the big leagues in terms of pitches that have been thrown at above 100 miles per hour. This guy is truly special. You've been able to have Emilio Pagan give you some good innings, and Griffin Jackson, a little bit of a longer roll, has been able to do a relatively okay job as well, so this is fine in which I was willing to take the Minnesota Twins, and looking at the under, because I do think that Garcia going to get it around a little bit, but I think that he's going to do just enough to be able to keep this total under. And then we've got 975, 976 in terms of this double dip. It's going to be Joey Wentz going up against the Minnesota Twins. Cole Sands, who is going to be making his first career start. And similar numbers here. Right now, you're finding the Minnesota Twins right around a minus 142 and minus 142 with your total 8.5 with the over anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Unders anywhere between even a minus 110. And I'm going to be willing to nibble on the Detroit Tigers in this spot as long as I'm able to get north of a plus 123. And right now, I'm seeing right around a plus 132 as a best price with the Detroit Tigers because this is a guy in Sands that I think that everything with him is built on Sands. Now, Joey once has had a couple starts at the big league level. He's not anything special himself, but once again, he is backed up by that bullpen that I was talking about a little bit earlier. Has been absolutely lights out, and you got a lot of guys that are able to fill multiple innings, so you're not going to need to have Wentz go out there and really give you anything more than four or five innings. And you take a look at Sands this season. 723 ERA out there at the minor league level. I recognize he was better during the 2021 season, but during the 2021 season, he was pitching at the double-A level. I mean, this is someone that has made five starts, six total appearances. He has given up at the minor league level three walks per nine innings, or home run and half per nine. 11 hits 
per nine innings. This guy has not necessarily been that great. I recognize that the stuff is actually relatively solid with him, but this just does not seem like something that I would want to be taking a look at whatsoever with Wentz. Once again, someone that wound up having his one start against the Oakland A's. He wound up getting shelled, and he doesn't have great minor league numbers either. Someone that's had a little bit of a tough time with regards to command, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of a better job here in start number two of his career. So on the Wentz versus Sands sort of outing, I am going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers, and this is a spot in which I did wind up saying my total at an 8.7. If we're able to get an 8.5, when it comes to Sands versus Wentz, I'm actually going to be taking a rare over in the Tigers game while taking game one under, and game one looking to Wentz, game two looking at the Tigers with Wentz, 967-968 on the bank where the Cleveland Guardians are going to be playing us to the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be going for the Royals, and Cal Quantrill going to be going for the Cleveland Guardians, and this will be the basis of the DK Nation pick as the total on the game is 9.5. Finding the under anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115, the over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105, and with the Cleveland Guardians finding them between minus 140 and minus 150 plus price here with Kansas City is anywhere between plus 120 and plus 140, and DK Nation pick is going to be on the under as you got yourself a guy that I really like in Cal Quantrill, set this total at an 8.2, and Daniel Lynch has really been able to pick it up ever since he wound up having a tough first season at the big leagues. Thus far this season for Lynch, he's been giving up right around one home run per nine innings. Needs to lock it down in terms of the walks. He's been giving up right around 3.7, 3.8 walks per nine innings, but you do take a look at Mr. Lynch and this is a man that has given up two earned runs or fewer in now three out of his last four starts. It's done a nice job holding down the fort, not giving up a single home run in each out of his last four starts. Once again, walks have been an issue, giving up 12 walks over the course of his last four starts, but really has been able to do a better job this season and it's been better on the road. 355 road ERA compared to a 461 home ERA and then you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of Cal Quantrill, a guy that in his last 24 pitching appearances has given up three runs or fewer so he has been very consistent for this team, has given up just four walks over the course of his last three starts and I mean his last start, one six innings against the Houston Astros, gave up two runs on the road. He has been rock solid with that regard now. He's not going to get you a lot of swings and misses. Right now he's getting right around five and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The walks per nine rate is what he really needs to focus on, in my opinion, right around 3.6-ish walks per nine innings, but has been able to do a very solid job at home. 306 home ERA in that time span. He's given up just one home run in 17 and two-thirds innings, so a little bit of a small sample size. You go back to what we wound up seeing last season, and last season, 235 home ERA in a total of 92 innings, while giving up just nine home runs. His walks per nine rate was right around a 2.3, so clearly a guy that is built to be able to pitch in Cleveland, and with the Guardians, Jose Ramirez has been the heart and soul of this offense. This guy has been absolutely tremendous. I and mean, if you're looking at your AL MVP leaders, it's got to be towards the top of it. 51 RBI that leads the league, 13 home runs. Absolutely masterful. He's got a 390 on base, and he's got a little bit of help from some of his friends. Oscar Gonzalez, in a very small sample size, has been able to reach base for the team. Andres Jimenez, Owen Miller, along Josh Taylor, all in between a 275 and a 290. And he's still got Stephen Kwan, who's been able to give you about a 350 on base, so he's regressed since the beginning part of the season. And for the Kansas City Royals, they wound up having a magic carpet ride in which they wound up having five plus runs in five out of their last seven games. But I think that this is going to be coming to an abrupt halt for this team. Whit Merrifield has been better for this team recently. He's been able to hit right around a 275 in the last three weeks. After a really bad start to the season, Andrew Benatendi, he's been able to 325. Salvador Perez is back in the fold, but he is clearly not the same guy that wound up hitting 48 home runs last season. He's got six bombs and is hitting a buck 96 this season. Bobby Witt Jr., he wound up having a streak of games, which I think in four straight he wound up having an RBI, but still hitting just a 236 this season. And 
Though the bullpen of the Royals has been terrible this season, there's no other way of getting around it. I believe that it is said last in terms of the American League, in terms of ERA. You do have your trustworthy guys. Scott Barlow has a buck 71 ERA. Joel Payamps still has a sub-3 ERA. He's regressed a little bit here in recent weeks, but has been able to do a solid job. Josh Shamout, he's been pitching a little bit better recently after he wound up having a rough start to the season. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of positive progression when it comes to the Royals and for the Cleveland Guardians. Emmanuel Classe has been absolutely lights out for the team. Trevor Steven, he's got himself right around a 3-ish ERA. I like what I've seen out of Nick Sandlin recently. He's been able to get his ERA right back to a 3 as you've also been able to have Sam Hentich just be able to do a solid job out of the pen as well. I think that Cal Quantrill going to be continuing to be steady Eddie. Going to be able to give you a good start. And when it comes to the Guardians, I did wind up saying them. Minus 173 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, right now you're finding that right around a plus 130 to a plus 135. I would rather take the money line even though I do see a little bit of an edge at anything north of plus 115 there. So different strokes for different folks. I'm going to play it a little bit safer because I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. Going to take the Guardians on the money line and the DK Nation pick going to be on the under. 960 to 970 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners going to be in the road. They're going to be facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. To be determined is on the bump for the Orioles, which means that this is a game that's off the board. Meanwhile, George Kirby is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. Currently, we've got no numbers up on this game, and right now, I think you're going to wind up getting Dean Kremer for a start, but could wind up being maybe perhaps a little bit of a piecemeal bullpen game for the Baltimore Orioles. They might wind up sending someone else up to the big league level. We have no idea what the Orioles are going to be doing here, but if we do wind up getting Mr. Dean Kremer against Mr. Kirby, I did wind up saying the Mariners as a minus 144 favorite, and in terms of total, I did wind up saying it at an 8.7, where an 8.5 or less, I would be willing to take a look at an over and a 9 or higher. Would be a take on the under. Kremer wound up getting quite a few starts for the team last season. As a matter of fact, he wound up making 13 starts. He wound up getting just completely tattooed last season as it was not necessarily too terrific. 7.55 ERA. Gave up 17 home runs in 53 and two-thirds innings. Now, a lot of those did wind up coming at home. 13 home runs given up in seven starts at home. A lot of that is due to the fact that the ballpark dimensions were much different than they are this season. He's been able to do a relatively solid job at the minor league level, so I do think that he's going to be able to rein it in a little bit more. And then for Mr. Kirby, he has made four career starts for the Seattle Mariners and has been giving up the deep ball himself. Three home runs given up over the course of his last four starts, so that is a little bit of an issue. Swing and miss stuff. I'm not going to say it's great. I'm not going to say it's terrible. It's certainly developing, though, as he's got 20 punch-outs over the course of 20 innings thus far, and he's been able to locate well. He's given up just two walks. That's sort of what you figured out of Kirby. I do think that he's not going to wind up ending up this season with nine strikeouts for nine innings, but not too bad there. And when it comes to the Mariners, they've got the leg up when it comes to being able to get on base. We were talking about this with Curtis Rogers. You got J.P. Crawford hitting above a 300. Julio Rodriguez, ever since he wound up having a very rough start to his rookie season, he's really been able to pick it up over the last 15 days. He has been able to give you a batting average of a 333. Currently leads the big leagues in terms of stolen bags as well. Ty France, 414 on base, 35 RBI. Need a little bit more power out of this team, but you do have Eugenio Suarez being able to go deep nine times thus far this season. He, Jesse Winker, both have between a 305 and a 310 on base. Now, they have a deal with some injuries and just the bottom of the lineup in general. Guys like Abraham Toro, Jerry Kelnick, Lewis Torrens, Cal Raleigh, they've all been banged up and they've all been hitting below a 200. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, you do have yourself a bunch that really busted out yesterday as they were able to put up
up a 10 spot. You've got Trey Boobo Mancini and Austin the Say's kid, both hitting above a 290 for this bunch. Ryan Mountcastle was able to bust out. He was able to get a home run yesterday. It's been a little bit of a tough season for Cedric Mullins thus far. He wound up getting the day off yesterday. And the bottom of the lineup, still a little bit of a concern for the Baltimore Orioles, I will say. All of a sudden, Rudin Odor not looking as terrible for the team as he's went deep in a few instances this season. Anthony Santander, he has been able to give you a 332 on base. He wanted going deep yesterday, but Adelie Rutschman, he's having a little bit of a tough time addressing to the big leagues. Chris Owings has been terrible. Calvin Gutierrez, whenever he's out there, and it's not necessarily been too terrific. Ryan McKenna's up and down. And for the Orioles, I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression when it comes to this bullpen. You've got a sub-1 ERA out of someone at CNL Perez that I, I, he has been very lucky this season. We're going to call it what it is. I like Felix Batista. Ore Lopez has really been able to have a nice second act in his career after he was a failure of a starter. He's right now got an ERA that's right around a buck 16. I think that he's going to be solid out there in the bullpen. I don't think that he's a buck 16 good. And then for the Seattle Mariners, I think that there's going to be good progression when it comes to this bullpen. Diego Castillo is posting up north of a 70 ERA. I think that that's going to work itself out. We've had Penn Murphy actually be one of the more trustworthy guys for this bullpen. Sub-125 ERA, Drew Seconder has had a little bit of a rough start to the season. Paul Sewell has been a bit up and down himself, but he's starting to rein it in a little bit more. So if we do wind up getting Kirby against Dean Kramer and pretty much any sort of a bullpen game of the Orioles, it's a spot in which I would be looking at an 8.5 over a 9 or higher to the under end with Mr. Kirby wind up making him a minus-144 favorite. 971-972 on the betting board. New York Yankees going to be playing us to the LA Angels. North Syndergaard is going to be going for the Halos and Jordan Montgomery is going to be on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as a favorite of anywhere between minus 128 and minus 130. Meanwhile, your plus price on LA. Between plus 110 and plus 120, 8.5 is your total. Seeing a straight 9 out there as well. On the 9, unders minus 120, the overs even. On the 8.5, overs anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Unders between minus 105 and plus 105. And I did wind up saying my total at an 8.1. I'm going to be taking a look at an under with Jordan Montgomery. He's been able to do a solid job being able to just hold down the fort in general. What I think is big for Jordan Montgomery. 1.6 walks per nine innings, giving up right around one home run per nine. And Thor Syndergaard passed that really bad start they wound up having against Texas, in which he did not wind up making it out of the first inning. He has been very solid this season. If you wind up taking that out of the equation, this is someone with a sub-2 ERA who has been able to do a nice job keeping the ball in the yard. He's given up just eight walks in 38 innings. His home runs per nine rate is right around 8.6. Now, the problem with the Angels, we were talking about it a little bit earlier with Curtis Rogers. This is a bullpen that is not too great. Ryan Tepera, you were relying upon him being relatively locked down. He's got north of a four ERA. Aaron Loop, after he had a one ERA last season, he's now gotten north of a four this season. Rossi Iglesias has been relatively solid as a closer, but slides north of a three ERA. So that has been an issue with the Yankees. They're dealing with some bullpen ailments themselves. Chad Green is out, out of the fold. You've got Aroldis Chapman and Long John from the Weisga. We've been dealing with some injuries, but you still have Wandy Peralta, who's been posting up a sub-2-5 ERA. Michael King is starting to get hit around a little bit more, but still has been solid. Miguel Castro along Clay Holmes have been nice revelations for the team, and you do take a look at this Yankees lineup, and there's no way that they're going to continue to get held down the way that they have. They have scored two runs or fewer in four out of their last five games in each other last three. So I do think that we're going to see a little bit of an outburst here. You've got Aaron Judge who's went deep 18 times this season. Now John Carlos Sand dealing with an injury that is not necessarily too terrific for this team, but 
Flavor Torres was able to go deep in their previous game against the Rays. Wound up having three hits and his ninth home run of the season. And that, Miguel Anduar is back. He's hitting a 285 DJ LeMayu. It's been a little bit of a funk, but he, Isaiah Canera Falefa, who's hitting between a 252 and a 260, I think that they're going to do some solid work and just want to avoid Joey Gallo because he's been absolutely terrible. But you do take a look at the Angels, and they themselves have been a little bit touch and go with the yards of the offense. I mean, the offense, very solid in that series against the Blue Jays, so it was just a case of pitching. But you do take a look at the lineup as a whole, and you've got Jared Walsh and Joey Otani, a pair of guys who have a combined 22 home runs, both hitting between a 244 and a 250. They couple very well with Mike Trout and Taylor Ward. Ward, 10 home runs, 472 on base. Trout, 13 bombs, 411 on base. Anthony Rendon has been able to pick it up a little bit more. He's hitting a 240. Home runs have not necessarily been there, but he's looked much better. Brandon Marsh is hitting a 275, but I do think that Montgomery is going to be able to do a solid job at Yankee Stadium and a little bit more of a nighttime game. Ball doesn't wind up th- flying out quite as much when you wind up getting a nighttime game at Yankee Stadium rather than the daytime games. And I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to do a relatively solid job in the start. But I do think that Montgomery going to be able to blend a little bit of a better one. And I have more faith in the Yankees' bullpen. So, one will lay up to a minus 139 with the Yankees laying it there and taking a look at the under. 973, 974 on the bang board. You've got the Toronto Blue Jays playing us to the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Giolito is going to be going for the Sox, and Kevin Gosman is going to be on the bump for Toronto. Toronto, anywhere between a minus 165 and a minus 180. Favorite plus price on Chicago is anywhere between plus 150 and plus 156, with seven and a half being your total. Over is anywhere between minus 120, minus 125. Under is anywhere between even and plus 105. And in this spot, I did wind up setting the total at a 7.3. I am going to be taking a look at an under. Kevin Gosman has just been absolutely tremendous this season. The wins and losses don't prove out to be how great he has been. 4-3 and three record with a 2.25 ERA. His strikeouts per 9 rate hovering right around 10.5 to 11. He's given up one home run in 56 innings this year. His walks per 9 rate, that is right around a 0.85. And for Lucas Giolito... He has been very solid himself. He has given up a combined four runs in his last three starts, a total of 18 innings in those starts. Swing missed stuff, still relatively solid with him. He has been able to give you 51 punch outs in 37 and two thirds innings, so he's been able to bear down there. Big thing with him, he has given up six home runs in right around 38 innings, so needs to clean that up a little bit. And for the White Sox, they have been able to clean things up a little bit with regards to the bullpen. Liam Hendricks along with Kendall Graveman, both of these guys have been tremendous for the team now. Got a couple guys that have been less than trustworthy. Jose Ruiz, after he started out the year solid, he's now got right around a 5-ish ERA. Bennett Sosa ends up proving out to be too good for this team. But Matt Foster, he's got right around a 2-5 ERA. Ronaldo Lopez has been able to do a relatively okay job as well. But you do take a look at this White Sox lineup. And it has been a little bit of an issue for this team. They were able to have a nice 5-run outburst against the Chicago Cubs. But, I mean, that's a little bit built on sand because that was involving the Ghost Runners. So, in games that wind up wrapping up nine innings. We'll take that one out of it. This is a White Sox team that they have scored three runs or fewer and I believe five out of their last six. So that's something that they need to work on. Jose Abreu, he's starting to pick it up as well. He's hitting just a 235 for the season, but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days, 319 batting average. He's starting to look at like the Mr. Abreu of old Luis Robert. He's hitting right around 285. Need a little bit more power on this White Sox lineup, by the way. 40 home runs as far this season, and as we all know, this is a team that they struggle a little bit more with right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. Against right-handed pitching, currently they're hitting a 228 for the season. You take a look at what they're doing against lefties. They're hitting a 2 
258. That has always been the big delta when it comes to the Chicago White Sox team. And then you take a look at the Blue Jays and the bullpen has been very shaky for this team. They rank in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. It's been an issue for this team as Jordan Romano has actually been halfway decent as a closer. But you take a look at some of these guys like Trevor Richards is right now rocking a four ERA. Yimi Garcia, he has been all over the place starting to be able to find it a little bit more, but now you're using Ross Stripling out of the bullpen, and that's not necessarily too terrific. And for the Blue Jays, they really busted out of their funk in that series against the LA Angels, being able to put runs upon the board. They were dead last in terms of batting average with men in scoring position prior to that series, and now they've been able to put together four-plus runs in five straight games. This is starting to look like the team that we were envisioning coming into the season, Flagger Jr., George Springer. Both of them now have nine home runs. You've got Bo Bichette hitting above a 250 with these two gentlemen, Santiago Espinal. He's hitting a 265. Remy Altapia been a little bit up and down this season. You could use him to give you a little bit more into Oscar Hernandez. Just flat out not going to continue at a, a buck seventy for the season. It's actually been Danny Jansen who went healthy, has been the best catcher for this team in a small sample size, but I did take a look at it and I think that we went a little bit too lofty on the Blue Jays. I certainly think that they're starting to round into form, but anything north of a plus 140 was willing to take shot here with the White Sox. So, going to be taking a look at Giolito and company and with this total set mine at a 7.3, looking under and I'm going to be taking a look at the White Sox. 975, 976, that was a part of the Tigers and Twins double dip. So we go to 977-978 on the Bangor Tampa Bay race. They're in the road. They're facing off against the Walker Texas Rangers. Martin Perez is going to be going for the Rangers. And for the Rays, it is good old to be determined. Right now, it's whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is going to be used as a starter or a bulk guy. So that is why this is off the board. Assuming Ryan Yarbrough gets a start, set the Rays at a minus 117 in the spot. Would love it if he winds up being a bulk guy because actually coming out of the bullpen, he's got a career ERA that's a full point lower than he is as a starter. But right now, with all that said, got him as a minus 117 favorite. Set my total at an 8.3 and 8 or less, looking over 8.5 higher to the under. Marty Perez is actually, right now for the Texas Rangers, leading the league in terms of ERA at a buck 60. I think that we're going to see this dip a little bit more because he has given up three earned runs over the course of his last six starts. It has been absolutely amazing to take a look at what he's been able to do, and I give him a lot of credit for it. And as a matter of fact, he's given up, I believe, five runs in his last seven starts. He has been absolutely masterful. I just don't think that he's going to be able to continue this with his pitching style. He's went 56 and a third innings. He's gotten 44 strikeouts. So right around seven to seven half strikeouts per nine innings. He's really been able to hone in on the walks. Past years, while he was with the Boston Red Sox, he was posting up right around three and a half walks per nine innings this season. That's closer to about two and a half. And he has yet to give up a home run this season. A little bit of that has been due to luck because he is very much a pitch of contact guy. And it helps when you have a guy like an Eli White out there in the field. If you want to see the home run Rob, that you wound up having yesterday, absolutely tremendous. But you've got a race team that they're very consistent with regards to their lineup. You've got Francisco Mejia, J-Man Choi, Wander Franco, along with Randy Orozarena. All these guys are in between about a 250 to a 260. Bottom of the lineup has been a little bit rough for the team as you've got Mike Zanino, Brett Phillips, Isaac Paredes. You're able to throw in there Taylor Walls. Guys like this are hitting a 220 or lower. Brandon Lau has been dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, but man, will Marco. He's got a 409 base for the team and for the Tampa Bay race. This is just a wipeout bullpen for this bunch. They did wind up having to use up Matt Weisler yesterday, but JP Fireisen has yet to give up an earned run this season. Jason Adam, he's got an ERA that's hovering right around a one. Typically, you wind up pairing up Jalen Beeks along with Ryan Yarbrough. He's got a buck 29 ERA, so got a lot of guys coming out of the bullpen and just firing bullets. And for the Texas Rangers, this bullpen has been very solid as well, and they got a little bit preserved by Glenn 
Toronto giving a good start yesterday. You've got John King who's posting up a sub-2-5 ERA. Brett Martin has been a little bit herky-jerky this season, but Brock Burke along Joe Barlow, sub-2 ERAs for these gentlemen. Matt Moore they will give you two ERA. I don't know if I could trust in that, just knowing Matt Moore, but that said, you take a look at the Texas Rangers lineup and they're going to need the pitching to be on point because you do have a trio of guys in Nick Lowe along Jonah Haim and Cole Calhoun, hitting between about a 262 and 270, but Marcus Simeon, even though he has picked it up recently, to his credit, he now has more than zero home runs, but still hitting a buck 98 for the year. Corey Seager, he's been able to give you a double-digit amount of bombs, but he's hitting right around at 235. Mitch Garver's hitting a 225, so you've had some issues when it guards to the Texas Rangers lineup, and I do think that the race could be able to masterfully use their bullpen in this game, so set them as a minus 117 despite the recent success of Perez. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression, and eight or less looking over eight after I for the under 979-980 on the bank board. The Oakland A's are going to be playing us to the Houston Astros. Christian Avier is going to be going for the Strohs, and one Frankie Montas is going to be on the bump for Oakland. Oakland, anywhere between a plus 110 to a plus 125 underdog with Houston. It's anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135, seeing it's minus 126 out there as well. Seven is your total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to Oakland, wind up setting them as a plus 148 underdog. It's just hard to have faith in this lineup in general. And we were talking about it with Curtis Rogers. The Houston Astros, number one in terms of bullpen ERA, number one in terms of overall ERA, and Christian Javier, he has been absolutely filthy this season. He's got over 11 strikeouts per nine innings, 243 ERA, has a walks per nine rate that is suffering right around about a 2.7-ish, and for Frankie Montas, he has been the ace of the Oakland A's, 328 ERA. That's just a 2-4 record to show for it because he's got absolutely no run support whatsoever. It's been much better at home than on the road, 302 home ERA, 4-15 road ERA, and despite having a 3-0-2 home ERA, it's gotten him a 1-3 record in his home start, so it's been really tough. Opponents are just a buck 90 off of him in Oakland, and yet he can't find a win because the Oakland A's have zero offense right now. They are dead last in the big leagues with regards to batting average. They're in the bottom five in terms of runs produced. They're not going deep very often. 33 home runs in 51 games. You don't have a single guy on the roster that's giving you more than five home runs, and just take a look at this bunch, and boy, oh boy, Luis Pereira is the only guy that's hitting above a 256, and he has seen 50 at-bats this season, and he's a little bit of an infrequent player. And other than Chad Pender, you don't have a single other guy that's hitting above a 237. That is a big, giant issue. It doesn't matter who you wind up throwing out there. These are all dead bats right now for the Oakland A's. It doesn't matter if it's against right-handed pitching. It doesn't matter if it's against ambidextrous pitching. I mean, these guys have just stunk it up this season. So, there is that. And then with the Houston Astros, we all know the names of these guys. Jose Altuve, Michael Brantley, both of these guys have been able to do a solid job hitting at least a 272 for both of them. Jordan Alvarez, he winds going deep twice yesterday. 14 bombs, 360 on base. Alex Bregman started to pick it up, 350 on base. Jeremy Pena is hitting a 280 for this team. He's been able to deliver some bombs for this team as well. So, I mean, it's a Houston Astros team that has been masterful with that regard. And for the Oakland A's, they have seen regression with regards to their bullpen, but you still do have guys that you're able to trust in. Now, we're looking at an Astros bullpen that's a little bit more where they should be, right around league average in terms of ERA. Sam Mall along with AJ Puck. Both of these guys have a sub buck 50 ERA. They bring in Domingo Tapia. He's someone that I do like. Sam Selman is back for this team as well. He's able to give you a couple solid innings. Domingo Acevedo. So it will give you a sub-3 ERA, and then you take a look at the Astros, and having Ryan Presley back is very good for this team. He's able to post up right around a 270 ERA, Rafael Montero. I don't know if he's going to finish a year with a 0.50 ERA, but he's been terrific. Ryan Stanek, uh, 123 ERA, so I do think that Javier going to be able to give a good start, and then turn it over to a bullpen that's been lights out going up.
up against an Oakland A's team that has been able to generate offense all season long. So if this sold out at 6.7, I think that the Astros have a chance to be able to score like five of those runs all by themselves. I'm looking at an under in this spot, and I'm looking at the Astros on the money line, and we wrap things up with 981, 982 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, we are in a Cincinnati. They're under the road. Facing off against Boston Red Sox. Michael Walker is going to be going for the Red Sox, and Luis Castillo is going to be on the bump for the Reds. Currently, there's no numbers up on this game. Not necessarily sure as to why, but this is a game that's off the board, and I want to making my numbers to where a 9.5 or less, I'll be looking at an over and a 10 or higher to the under. I made the Red Sox a minus-162 favorite. Michael Walker wound up having a little bit of a rough start in his last time out against the Chicago White Sox, but that said, he's actually been very good. Overall, his ERA is a 2.83, and in his three home starts, he has allowed just two runs in 15 and a third innings. Giving up in that time span, seven walks, needs to hone that in a little bit more overall for the season. He's given up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. And in the four starts for Luis Casio, ever since he's come off the injured list, he's been not necessarily himself, but he certainly has been far from terrible. You expect a little bit more swing and miss out of him. He's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. The walks have actually not been bad. And it's always been a little bit of an issue throughout his career. Five walks in 20 and two-thirds innings across four starts. And it's not necessarily too terrible, but you tell that he was a little bit rough coming out. He's went five innings or fewer three out of his last four starts, so he is starting to strengthen that arm a little bit more, and you take a look at the Reds. This has been one of the top over teams out there in all of baseball because they've actually been able to do a solid job of having the gentlemen that were banged up at the beginning of the season come back and be able to reach base. Albert Amora Jr. along with Tyler Stevenson, both of these guys hitting above a 300. You've got Kyle Farmer who's went deep four times over the last, I'm going to call it, 10 days for this team. He, Taylor Naquin, both hitting right around a 260 for this bunch. Mark Reynolds, Brandon Drury, they're in between about a 240 to a 250, and Drury, he's been able to go deep eight times. Joey Votto being back full, honestly, doesn't help this team. He's just ancient at this point, but take a look at the Boston Red Sox, and you've got that mashing trio that has been so tremendous for them, as Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Borgers are letting at least a 328, and there was a time in which you didn't have a single player hitting nearly within 100 points of them, but but now you've got Christian Vasquez hitting a 300 for this bunch. Franchi Cordero, he's hitting a 270. Trevor Story has been a little bit up and down this season. He's only hitting a 226, but you take a look at what he's done in the last 15 days. Hitting a 265, eight home runs, 22 RBI. He has certainly been able to come along for the ride. Kike Hernandez has been able to give you a couple leadoff home runs recently. The big fear that you have with this Red Sox team is just his bullpen. Tanner Alka has actually turned into a little bit of a better long guy, but they wound up having to really dive into it yesterday because they wound up getting completely pummeled by the Baltimore Orioles. You've had Austin Davis be able to give you a sub two-ish ERA at a because of Salvador, though, he wanted getting used up yesterday. And he used up Matt Burns and Ryan Brazier yesterday, which that's not a bad thing. Both of these guys, north of a 5-5 ERA, so you're able to turn the ball over to a little bit more of trustworthy gentlemen there. And then when it comes to the Reds, this is a team that currently has a bottom 5 ERA in their own right. You've had Tony Santian not necessarily do a great job with regards to this team. You've got Hunter Strickland, who's just way over the hill. He's got an ERA of a 550, and it's not been great. Luis Sessa, north of a 5 ERA as well. I will say, Alexis Diaz, buck 19 ERA. He has been tremendous for this bunch of Jeff Hoffman right around 222. But that said, wanted making the Red Sox minus 162 on the money line. Anything of a plus 115 or higher, I'd be willing to lay a run and a half 
with them as well and set my total at a 9.6, so 9.5 or less, looking over 10 or higher to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to our good friend, Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports, for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Tuna. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore d1. Keep in mind, letters M. It me does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Any other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. You heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.